Hello everybody, and welcome to the technical area with me, your host, Gaffer Grammar, once again. It's great to be back, because we are, of course, one week closer now to the arrival of FM23. If previous years are to be the, you know, the track record with which, the bar with which we judge Sports Interactive for Sport, we judge the studios, we could be playing the beta in this time in two weeks. We could be expecting to see it drop around the 27th, maybe, of October. Usually two weeks before, of course. Could be earlier. Wouldn't, wouldn't mind it being a bit earlier. But the excitement is certainly building. We're getting all these teasers, all these trailers. Insights into what's coming. Expected assists, I see, has gotten an awful lot of people excited. The stats per 90 has certainly gotten me excited because it's very, very difficult to, to judge you know, a player's performance when you are using statistics, when they are done differently per game. Some might be per game, some might be per 90. You know, you have these different metrics. So if we can get a standardised way across, it's certainly going to help those of us who are looking for a statistics-based save in FM23. Of course, people might be finding flaws and I think we can all sceptically approach the new game and hopefully see you know what's been promised being what we get but of course as we've seen in years gone by patches come in and of course there's always ways in which we can find flaws with the game but still I think the excitement is there to really start getting our teeth sunk into it of course social media is awash with save reveals save ideas i actually stuck myself watching the save ideas videos for the first time which which is a very very interesting space to to, to end up in even ended up with me today getting uh, chatting with nordic football pod i'll shout out to them asking them for any advice on saves for football manager 23 and you know fortunately they have two videos up from last year for fm22 so it's a good little barometer there for for me to you know, trying it with teeth again because, of course, I suppose, you know, it, it's it's time. I, I did say that I am looking to go towards Scandinavia in FM23. Don't know where to go. Norway and Sweden are kind of torn. I had that experience with Bromo Picciarna on FM20, oh, FM18 on the, on the iPad, I think it was. Really enjoyed that. Had a great time there. So do I go back there? I think Michelinio did a, a fantastic Bromo boy save not too long ago. But yeah, do I go back to, to Sweden? Do I go back to a save with a, with a team low down and build them up? Do I go into a higher league with someone like Gothenburg and try and win a Europa League with them? Relive their glory days of the 80s? Or do I head to Norway, you know, and, you know, try and bring some European success, try and build some sort of model up in Norway, especially if they're producing players of the talents we're seeing across Europe now, a real golden age of European Oh, sorry, golden age of of Norwegian players we're seeing in European football. I think that's something we're all in at this stage now, whether you've decided or not, we're all in this planning phase for FM23. Some of us are further along than others. But of course, when we're planning for a new save, we're planning for a new game, we talk tactics, we look at squad development, we think of recruitment and development models, we think of statistical models and scouting models and all sorts of things. 
But have you ever considered how important your dynamics are? The, how the hierarchy is at the club you're taking over? And the culture and how important these three are to the development of your club? I haven't before. It's not, I'm not going to lie. I haven't. And I think this year it's something I really want to pay a bit more attention to because when we can win over the pre-existing hierarchy that exists in the club early on, especially those you know at the top, the core group, the highest players that are at the club, it's vitally important for early success, really, in terms of building up stability, getting the backing of these players. You know, and if they can, if we win over the influential players, then the support will, of course, trickle down. But then the challenge comes when continued successes and continued development off the pitch. Squad development, club development, culture development. When all of these are at a point where the dynamics, the hierarchy and the culture are changing from what you inherited. We, we, I mean, we do need to start putting a little bit more weight into how, how, how this can go. Ability can, of a player can mean success on the pitch. But is adding the most talented player the best thing for your squad or your club? Now this podcast is inspired by, well, I don't know whether it was true or not, but I'd like to believe it is. Because it seems to be a photograph of a screen rather than a, a screenshot. And I don't remember if it was on Reddit or not. But it was a squad where everybody was in the one social group. The whole squad was in one social group. And it got me thinking. Saying something I've never seen. The social group. Core social group. Social group A. Social group B. And then there's kind of the outsiders. And. It was something I paid passing attention to. The in dynamic, the dynamics I paid passing attention to this year, with Utrecht hierarchy, I played a lot of attention to. Especially when like there was a change of leadership with the club captain and uh, retiring, and then the vice captain moving on. But by by request, so, so it got me thinking. Going into football manager twenty three, how much weight, how much time. Do I really need to put into this to get some sort of success out? And really, I suppose, you know, I'm not the only one. I did a poll where the majority of people said, in Football Manager, they do, when they're looking at a new player, check to see how he'll fit in dynamically, but really, they don't care. It's something they're happy to compromise on. And I can understand this. Ability always will be the key driver of a player we're signing. Whether we're using the statistics-based approach, whether we're going by the scout reports, or going past with the old eye test of the attributes. But still, if you, if you, I like to think of it in, in the sense of, would I like to go and, you know, as a person on work, in a place where I'd be in an outsider, I wouldn't be in a, in a in a core social group. I'd be outside. I'd be on the periphery of the group, and if I'm on the periphery, am I going to really perform and be happy there? Now I know football manager is dots and numbers, and football is a cold, cruel game. But still, to be a good man manager, to get the best out of your squad. You have to know your players 
belong where you are, not just, you know, add to what it is you have. So maybe the majority out there, I think it was 77% of people overall said that Dynamics, they either checked them and didn't care or didn't even look for it at all on the scout report when signing a new player. So maybe I can try and convince some of you to maybe see the light of changing your ways. Now, do Dynamics matter to you? Look, social groups will naturally exist. They do. I think of it more when we're sitting at the table at lunch. You know, one group might sit at one end, one group will sit at the other. But it doesn't matter where you sit in the end. Because each end is as welcoming as the other. So when it comes to a signing policy. A signing policy needs to understand how new players will fit in with the squad already there. Maybe one way of doing it is signing players based on their nationality. Signing players who've played in a similar league together. Maybe from the same team. Liverpool had great success for years buying players from Southampton. So why can't it be happening to you when you're safe? You've got to ask yourself how and where do the young players fit in as well. We have to develop young players. League rules across the world are kind of starting to... Push and promote the development of youth players and having youth players in squads. So you've got to kind of create a culture where these young players can come and fit in. And that of course will tie into mentoring which I'll talk about now in a few minutes. Because the thing is as well, those player relationships as we're now seeing in football manager with that FIFA Ultimate Team style chemistry bar. Now these relationships between players off the pitch will hold up on the pitch. Team cohesion has an impact on performances and results and team cohesion is something we can foster something we can grow on the training ground through time together whether it's through training sessions but the thing is as well when it comes to dynamics we can also like that bring in these new players whether they're young development players coming through or their new signings based on the time they've spent together at our club Maybe it's time to get out of a previous club. Like I said, signing a couple of players from the same team. Asking a new player to recommend a signing. Maybe they're international teammates. Players might look to bring in someone they know. Someone they feel comfortable with. And I think it's something we're seeing now even in some contract negotiations or transfer negotiations. Where players will look for you to sign a player. A recommended player they have. It wasn't that long ago. Gianluigi room insisted. That AC Milan signed his brother, Antonio, to help him, you know, be comfortable at the club. And of course, AC Milan, this star young goalkeeper, did all they could to ensure that that would happen. Obviously, we know the story went a little bit different in the end, but still. Dynamics, that chemistry you are, if we get that green, if we have a good relationship between players from spending time together on and off the pitch... We can only improve the performances because it does have to have some hard-coded effect on performance in the match engine. But the thing is as well, it's not just how that influences relationships on the pitch and off the pitch. We have to pay attention to the club hierarchy as well. The captain and the vice-captain are at the top. You know, 
I know I keep referring to Liverpool, but it's my team. It's where I get most of my, you know, I read a lot of football about and hear a lot about. And they talk about Liverpool, the reason that Henderson and Milner are seen so important, why they all seem to be getting on the pitch game on game, is because for the coaching staff, they see Henderson the captain, Milner the vice captain, as the coaches on the pitch. They're top of the Liverpool hierarchy of players. There is a leadership group at the club. But the captain and the vice captain at the top. We need them on our side. To get the message across. And set the standards for the group. We need them to have the power and the sway. To maybe if we ask them to do something. To settle a player down. We know we can trust them. Because they have that effect on the group as well. Of course, we don't just want the captain and the vice captain on the top. It's always ideal to have a third member up there at least. In the hierarchy group. Having three people up there. One that's not a captain or vice captain. You know, you've still got that next leader there. Because of course, captain and vice captain. There are times where neither of them are playing. So having someone else there, very important as well. For me... This next question I'm going to ask you for reflection, to reflect on, is something I believe and I stand by. Should this top group be the top earners? And that for me is how I approach Football Manager 22 at Utrecht. The captain, the vice captain, whatever their wage was, now that I set, because I negotiated the contracts, I would not let a player earn more than the captain. If a player wanted to match the top earner, he matched the captain. Of course, now the thing with the captain was, there was room on the wage budget for me to offer more money. But the wage budget isn't always necessarily an accurate you know, amount of money that will ensure the club's financially stable off the pitch. But if I was signing a new player who wanted more than the captain, I had to ensure that I either gave the captain a new contract or tried to negotiate that player down. Because for me, the captain, this top group, they are the top earners. You are the most highly influential members of this playing squad. You are the top. And I will reward that financially. Of course, we want a core group of senior players in that highly influential, influential group just behind those top those leaders that top group but if they're not in that top group in terms of hierarchy they do not earn the same as that group that's how I believe that's how I approach football manager and that's why I'll be approaching it this year I'm sure to annoy players I'm sure to rule myself out of potentially signing new players but the thing is I will insist on making sure that if the captain and the vice captain they are rewarded and treated as the top at the club but in terms of the hierarchy as well I also want to know how can I encourage how can I help my emerging players my young players that are coming into the squad how can I help them Move up the hierarchy. I want to know there's a pathway for them. So just like in terms of dynamics. 
helping those young players, you know, move into and develop and become a part of the core social groups at the club. I need as well to give them an opportunity to develop through the hierarchy at the club. Keep an eye on who's captaining your under 18s or your U team. Keep an eye on who's captaining your reserves or under 23s or under 21s or B team. Keep an eye. See who's the captain there, who's the leader. And maybe that could be a pathway for them to becoming an influential and potentially future captain at your own club. And if you pay attention to dynamics, if you pay attention to hierarchy, you're also already, whether you notice it or not, you are paying attention to the club culture. And it's important that we build up club culture at our clubs. When we take over at the start of a new save or we take over with a new team mid-save, whatever way we approach the game, when we come to a new club, we are going in and we are challenging the existing culture. Tough decisions will have to be made. We want the right players at our club, players who will pull in the right direction, not just in terms of team selection, not just in terms of shaking things up tactically, but we need to make sure the right players are at the club. And I suppose... If you've seen the All or Nothing Arsenal series, we've seen how challenging the club culture, challenging the attitudes of senior leadership players, Arteta and the club had was difficult. But when the Obama Yang decision was made, we saw the disgruntlement of players, of um, fans, because this club was now technically weaker in terms of the ability they're playing, their players had, what they could do on the pitch. But I think if we look at them now 12 months on, we're looking at Arsenal this season, we are seeing a group that is collectively stronger. We're seeing a culture that Arteta has put in place, beginning now to take shape and take root in a way that we saw with Liverpool back in the 2016, 17, 18 seasons under Jurgen Klopp. So what we're seeing here now is another emerging club where tough decisions have been made. Some players have been let go. Some big players have been let go. But yet on the pitch now we're seeing the rewards and how a collective team can pull better when players who don't exactly set the best standards aren't leading that group. And I suppose we need to check out that information when we take over. We need to have a look, go into that player, individual players, into their information, look at their profile and see what is their personality like. We need to check and see, is this someone I want in my club? Do I want players with this personality type? Do I want players like this? We all want model citizens, of course. But still, determined individuals are just as good. Because no matter what it is, if we have fickle, if we have ambitious players, they can become unhappy quite easily. And although they may be our best player, although they may be the players that scores you 20, 30 goals a season, the team is stronger. Than one unhappy individual. So if we can look past those. The players. The players who. Like that don't exactly. Have the personality standards that we want. Their teamwork. Their work rate ethics. Might not be exactly high. Those attributes. We want the, the best players we have then. Those senior players. Those leadership players. To be the mentors. To help new players, 
or young players fit in to the social group bring them in build up those relationships we want those players to come in and learn the leadership attributes that will help them move up the hierarchy and become influential players in the group because we've seen how they've grown off the pitch with mentoring and training we've given them opportunities on the pitch and this is all coming together and building up them in the club in terms of their seniority but how do you mentor some people do it by position I do it by position so I have to ensure that I have senior and influential players in each role across the pitch now I mightn't break it down to say left sided or right sided but I will break it down to say full backs I will break it down to say centre backs defensive midfielders attacking midfielders wide midfielders wide forwards centre forwards whatever it is I'll break my squad down into very core and like rudimentary groups, goalkeepers as well. And I will have a leader there in that group as the, with a significant influence on the group, mentoring the younger players, mentoring the, the young those new signings, bringing the club together. And it's important that they have we we have these players with leadership qualities here in these positions. You know, checking attributes can be a simple way to see does a player have them. Determination, teamwork. These attributes can often reflect a player's character, not just the personality uh, type we see on the right-hand side of that profile screen. But it's of course, we do need to check that personality type when we are checking for leaders, when we are setting up these mentoring groups. Because personality affects a player's match performance, their training performance, their happiness at the club, their plans, are they going to jump ship the first chance they get? It affects their interactions with players, with staff, with the media. It affects their relationships with you and others. And of course, as well, it affects morale. So player personality really has a massive influence on a player's performance overall in the game. So we want to make sure we have those right characters there leading those groups. There's a leadership course available which we can send players on. I know some people you know, don't find it too useful. I've often sent players and it's come back that they had no, it was no good for them. But look, send them anyway. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if you send the player in the leadership course and it comes back and says, you know, it actually worked. They have developed leadership attributes. It was worth a chance, wasn't it? Like what's the arm and clicking the button and taking the chance? I know you might say, oh, I'm wasting the player's time or I'm wasting the time doing this, that, the other. It doesn't work. It's a click of a button. Like we said at the start, will I try and treat players like people? At the end of the day, that cold person says, they're just dots and numbers. So what's the harm in sending a dot or a number off to do a leadership course that might up their, their number scores? The other thing as well is, if there is an absence of leadership and seniority in a certain position, I often find it with goalkeepers. I like to sign those 35-year-old plus goalkeepers just to have there. Sometimes we do have to go to the transfer market and we have to bring them in. I'll never forget as a kid, Liverpool signing Gary McAllister. And I could not understand why Liverpool were signing Gary McAllister. When Liverpool signed Gary McAllister, I just saw a bald man, which meant he was an old man. Why are Liverpool signing an old man? 
But if you look back at the, obviously, Gary Mack has scored some great goals for Liverpool. It was very important in that treble winning campaign in 2000, 2001. But the thing is as well, Gary McAllister was brought in to help foster and to develop a young Steven Gerrard to be a model for him. So while Liverpool might not be doing something similar now, and they might look to the players already there to be setting the standard, sometimes we do and football manager have to go outside. We have to bring in a, an experienced player. Someone who's been there, done that, and we know can set a good example for the other players we have there. Will they play every match? No. But that's not why we brought we brought them in. We brought them in for those leadership qualities. We brought them in to be to build up the club culture. We brought them to develop and be a coach on the pitch for these young players. You've also got to ask yourself in terms of club culture, what do I bring to the club? And that starts with the manager type we select on the first screen. Am I a disciplinarian? Am I a youth developer? Am I a tactician? You've got to set yourself and see what do I expect of myself as a manager in this game? How do I establish a leadership culture here? How do I manage the concerns of highly influential players? How do I deal with unhappiness? Because unhappiness in a squad can be infectious. And how important is that code of conduct? Do I just click yet? Whatever you say is fine. But of course that code of conduct sets the standards. Maybe you take that code of conduct and say, look no, I put a little bit more weight and emphasis in X, Y or Z. Then do it. Put a little bit more weight in X, Y or Z. Expect a little bit more of those players. Have that code of conduct there setting the standards. Because the thing is, we want a philosophy at this club. We want our club to be known for more than a tactic, more than a style of play. We want to look to players' personality as a key determiner of the culture at the club, the philosophy, the way we approach things. We want players with great. We want to players with great work ethic, teamwork. Efren Grasshopper's Fibra series from not that long ago. The culture, the philosophy of he wanted at the club. We want that culture of togetherness. We can build it in our training sessions with cohesion. How do I, because and think to yourself, how much do you do it? How many times would you put in a community outreach session during the week? How often would you put those team bonding sessions in? Because they are hugely important. Like I don't know if everyone knows, but like think of that Neil Warnock story with um when he went bowling with the players cajoling the players for a team bonding session to go play bowling trying to get them all you know trying to get them all look you know you can beat me there's a you know there's a reward there players all turn up itching to beat Neil Warnock in a game of bowling and Neil Warnock turns up with his own custom uh, bowling shoes and custom golf ball in a bag that he starts polishing and wipes the floor with a perfect score I, I could be getting some of the details wrong but if you can check that out online, it's well worth it. But still, those players talk about that, you know, that team bonding session affected the morale, the culture at the club at the time. So they are important sessions to bring in for what they can do to the squad, to the club, 
in in a game. We can think of as well being building up cohesion on the pitch and with match through Matt those match preparation sessions like teamwork, attacking and defensive movement. You're bringing harmony and synchronicity to your squad. Because togetherness off the pitch can bring that synchronicity on the pitch. And we all want a harmony. We want a happy squad. We don't want to be dealing with petulant players. Players threatening to leave. Players wanting out. Wanting their demands met. We just want that happy, harmonious squad. To make life as easy as possible for in this game. So set the standards. Build the culture. Boost the morale. Use those team meetings. Whenever you feel the need. But use them to try and build morale. Use them to be your final way of getting a squad that's happy and all together pulling in the same direction. Now where do I go from here? Where do what am I you know, what all that I'm saying as a listener, you're probably saying, right, well, what do I do from here? You've given you've asked me a lot of questions this time. Look, culture, dynamics, hierarchy, sometimes it's not in your hands. Sometimes you can be influenced by outside factors or inside factors. You can manage be managing Athletic Bilbao or Altenor do to have this Cantera policy of only recruiting and developing players and not signing players who don't conform to a specific nationality, a specific, you know, culture group, whatever it is. You could have an ownership group where they insist on buying players from wherever it is they're from. Or they could influence where the type of players they want. Think of the number of Portuguese players we're seeing at Wolves. You know, you look at Venezia and there's a, you know, there, there is, a, I suppose, an inclination towards those young MLS US talents that we've seen. Tanner Testman and... Uh, Look at Busio going there last season for the Serie A season. Like these decisions can be taken out of your hands. They could be in that club philosophy, that club vision when you start, and you have to go with that. You might need to be flexible on how it is. You want to play, you know, all your you want to set the standards. You just have to be flexible sometimes, and that's okay. Sometimes we have these predetermined decisions before we start up a save, before we start managing a new team. That we want players to play in a particular style of way. We want players who share a common language, a common experience. And that's okay. Because that is building culture and philosophy. And it will all come together dynamically. It'll set standards in a hierarchy. Because the thing is, we all want to create a club with an excellent style of play on the pitch. Or a club that gets results. We want to see our name, Ball, being referred to by the media. But the thing is, don't just set it that that's all you get. That's the only identifiable quality. Because a harmonious group of players all pulling in the same direction. For me, that is the ultimate goal. That is one of the new standards, the new goals I'm setting myself for Football Manager 23. And I'd love to be hearing during the year how you get on with that as well now just before i say goodbye i want to say thank you for listening thank you for your patience as well i'd hope to have this out on thursday get back to releasing on a thursday again 
So I apologise for that slight delay of knowing it's going to tomorrow, Saturday morning. But thank you for listening. Thank you for getting involved if you took part in the, in the polls and the votes. There will be another one going out today, Saturday. Or tomorrow, sorry, Saturday. Get my head right. <laughs> tomorrow, Saturday, for um, a recording, hopefully on Sunday again. Uh, which a podcast you'll see come out on Thursday as we get back to that Thursday routine. Um, some of I did read some pieces on dynamics, hierarchy, club culture, all that. You'll find them linked below if you want to go and check them out yourself. Of course, Guide to FM is one of those links. That's a constant go-to for me during a football manager save and some of the tools they've added this year, oh, in the last year or so, they've been excellent as well and helped me develop new tactics. So, well worth your time taking, you know, some time maybe away from playing, some time away from your planning and checking out there and seeing how your tactic really looks and getting some, you know, under the hood ideas and insight into attributes and other factors that can influence the way a game plays. But the countdown is on. I hope we're all excited. And I'm looking forward to some new adventures with FM23. But I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Bye now.